0: Welcome, everyone, to the Design 101 podcast. My name is Amanda Gates, and I own Gates Interior Design in Nashville, Tennessee. My company specializes in living a stylish and holistic life. My goal with this podcast is to celebrate all the blessings that we receive from a well-designed life. I hope to introduce you to inspirational people, teach you new ways to live better, and empower you to design your best life through intention. There are many ways to achieve balance and harmony in our lives, but it all starts at home. Join me each month to be inspired, transformed, and motivated to live your best life. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Design 101. I'm your host, Amanda, and today's guest is serial entrepreneur, speaker, and author, Terry Lancaster. Today, we will be discussing Terry's latest book, Better, Self-Help for the Rest of Us. Unlike many books that have lofty aspirations, this book won't give you six-pack abs or even shiny white teeth. Well, unless that's your goal, of course. But rather, his book shows you how you can make real change in your life by taking small steps. Just a few foundational changes in your habits can cause ripples that equate to big change. For those who listen to this podcast regularly, I am a big advocate of living your best life and Terry's philosophy of incorporating more exercise, meditation, focus, gratitude, and nutrition are the key to living a better life and I couldn't agree more. So rather than reading a book about him preaching to you about the changes in his life and how great he is, he not only shares his own stories of epic failures and a fall from grace with alcoholism, but he shows you how that you can learn minor improvements in your own life to alter the structures of your brain to make goals and life improvements easier. Although, you won't find any instant gratification buttons here, something all Americans love to hear. Just take this pill and all your dreams will come true. Unfortunately, this is not a Kardashian love story of fame and riches, but you will learn how to do it. And the hardest thing to do when making a goal is just getting started. And Terry shows you exactly what to do and stick with the goal. So here's to kicking those prescription drugs to the curb, along with the excuses and other nonsense you tell yourself, and making yourself accountable for the little things that really do matter most, like learning how to live your best life without the judgment or the guilt, and finally accomplishing what you've always set out to do. Terry, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on today.
1: Hey, Amanda, how are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. So... Uh, Before we dive into the book better, give us uh, or give the audience a little bit of an idea of who you are and what you do, and um, then we'll get into how you formatted and put together this amazing book.
1: Well, uh, we'll start with who I am. My name is Terry Lancaster. I'm a partner in an advertising agency. For the last 20 years, I've been making the biggest, loudest, most obnoxious car dealer commercials in the history of big, loud, obnoxious car dealer commercials also drank too much, also didn't get enough exercise, also didn't take care of myself. And and maybe about three years ago, I, I woke up one day and decided that really wasn't who I wanted to be anymore. So I started making a few changes in my life, one at a time, one foot in front of the other. And I started blogging about it, just trying to keep track of my process and, and the things that were happening to me. And eventually that turned into a book, which released last month. The book is called Better Self-Help for the Rest of Us. Uh we had a launch party in uh, in December of 2015, just, uh, just last month, and uh, the book went up to number one on Amazon overnight, stayed there about a week. We finished the year at number two. And so now I'm talking to as many people as I can about how to be better one step at a time.
0: Well, what I really liked about the book was that, I mean, you really do describe, you know, the average American, your next-door neighbor. Joe Sixpack. Your, yeah, like uh, everybody that, you know um, – one thing that uh, which I talked about in the intro is that you know all of these books come out that are deemed self-help and it's usually glorifying the author and, and what they've done but they don't really explain how to do it and you can't relate to them because you know they are who they are or they've got the support or the systems or the things that are backing them and I what I love about this book is it just it really is about not only how you did it, but you teach people how to do it so that they can literally do it one step at a time and achieve the goal and not get frustrated and give up.
1: My favorite thing about the book is, 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 if, from the get go, if you look at the cover, the cover has the world's worst self help book cover on it. It does. <laughs> it's, it's it's horrible. There's, you know, middle aged, overweight, bald, fat, hairy guy standing on a beach. If you, I know this is this is podcast, this is radio. You can't see it, but picture in your head, bald, fat, hairy guy standing at the beach, middle aged, overweight. He does not look like the cover of a self help book, but he is the proudest guy. When I saw that picture, he just jumped out. At me. he was so proud completely comfortable in his skin, and that's what I wanted the cover to be. Most self-help books, they've got, you know, the the, the the guy who's beautiful as a model. He's got perfect white teeth. He's got the the perfect cheekbone structure, and he looks like he's out of a, you know, Land's End catalog, and, and they're trying to sell, tell you how to be better. Well, I didn't look like that, so I wanted something that people could relate to, so we put that on the cover to let everybody know this is a book for everybody.
0: Yeah, I mean it really is like when you go to the beach, this is the guy that you really see at the beach.
1: Yeah. <laughs> those, those are what people look like.
0: So what was the the one thing that really made you want to change? I mean, when I read the first chapter of the book, it, it said a lot about you that I didn't even know about, but like what was the the pivotal moment in your life that made you go, "I need to change?"
1: Well, I had um I had a, actually a couple of epiphanies, and that's the big boy word. I had the aha moment. I had one where I was, I was working as a bartender at a concert in downtown Nashville. And, uh, this was in, this was like four or five years ago. The economy was not good. My, my, my company was not doing well. And I was working as a bartender to raise money for the high school band to send my kids on a, on a trip to Europe. So I wouldn't have to write the check for this. So I'm tending bar at a Garth Brooks concert and the young lady I'm working with, she she's, she's a lady approximately my age. And, um, she was from Britain. She had only lived in the United States for a couple of years, and she had no idea who Garth Brooks was. And so she's asking me questions about him. Who is he? What kind of music does he sing? And I'm explaining to her, you know, he's the best-selling recording artist of all time. He's the biggest country music star ever. He's, he's a big deal. In the 80s and 90s, he sold more records than the Beatles and Elvis combined. Still, she had never heard of him. And she asked me, well, how old is he? And without missing a beat, I said, well, he's he's like he's our age. He's like maybe 50. And at the time, I think I was 46. And <clears throat> that hit me like a ton of bricks. It's like someone had kicked me in the groin because I a- actually paused and said, you know, just stood there because I'd never described myself as about 50 before. And it occurred to me that I was about to be 50 years old. My business was failing. I was half a biscuit away from 300 pounds. I drank too much. I couldn't walk to the mailbox without stopping to catch my breath, it was uh, I was a mess, and uh, going into my, my 50s, I figured I would be a mess for a long time if I didn't start getting straight out. So I, I started trying to straighten myself, I started, started working on it, and nothing was really working until I had the second epiphany about 12 months later. And I, had, I had tried to cut back on my drinking. But I you know, I was, I was cutting back on my drinking, and that actually only made it worse because every once in a while, one would get away from me. And so I had been out on my birthday, on my, uh, my 48th birthday or 47th birthday. I can't remember which one it was. And, uh, and we'd started, started drinking with some buddies, had a couple of beers, turned into a beer or nine. Then everybody found out it was my birthday. People started buying shots. And uh, I stumbled home at 3 o'clock in the morning, woke up the next morning with the world's worst hangover, And, um, and it just, just occurred to me that I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't keep on doing what I had been doing and I needed to get serious about making changes. So actually that day, that, that day I went out for a walk and I decided that I was going to take a a 30, 30 day break from booze. That was my thing. I was going to do, I I called it sober October. I'm going to spend the next 30 days just off booze, just so I can get my mind right and figure out how to get better moving forward. And, um, Funny thing happened, after 30 days, I couldn't believe how good I felt. I mean, I had lost a little weight, 10 or 15 pounds, but that but that wasn't the deciding factor. That was great. But just the overall feeling of how much better I felt by exercising a little, by eating some decent food, and by not drinking two or three nights a week, I didn't realize how bad I had felt until I started feeling better. I'd been drinking since I was 14 years old, and uh, that feeling, that just, just feeling normal felt good to me. It was an, it was an odd new sensation. So that's when I buckled down, doubled down, did another 30 days without booze. And then I started running. Then I did another 30 days. And by the end of that 90 day period, I had no desire to drink. I haven't drank since then. Uh, I've been sober now for almost three and a half years. Uh, I started exercising, started, uh, st- uh last year I started running every day, every day. Today is my 406th day in a row that I've ran. And, uh, Congratulations. So that, yeah, so it's, 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 it's been quite a journey for me. And I started blogging about that and, and people kind of took to it. And uh, I, I think it's an example of, you know, it, it, there's lots of books telling you how uh, when I was blogging, I had a buddy. He um, he said, you should write a book about this. And I laughed at him. I said, write a book. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to tell I'm going to call it how to lose 100 pounds and make a million dollars. But the first thing I've got to do is lose 100 pounds and make a million dollars.
0: Hi, uh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I have, you know, I never did either one of those things. And I still ended up writing the book because if you go on Amazon, there are thousands of books that are some variation of how to lose a hundred pounds and make a million dollars. And they're all setting up this idea of you being perfect. You're going to get six pack abs. You're going to be a millionaire. You're going to be a movie star. All you got to do is think about this. And they use these grand goals as an idea, you know, a, a, a carrot on a stick to motivate you to work harder and make the changes in your life and uh, I kinda of came at that started looking at that from a different perspective number one perfection is a horrible goal because it doesn't exist there's no such thing as perfection and if you're shooting for perfection that's going to be about as useful as trying to train your cat to go fetch it's only going to frustrate you and it's going to irritate the cat It doesn't do anybody any good and motivation that people are trying to motivate you to the motivation isn't a useful tool for long-term change because motivation is a depletable asset. You the more you use of it, the less you have and it's always going to fail you at the exact moment you need it most. So instead of motivating people to work harder, what I try to do is just encourage them to take small, tiny specific actions and build those actions into a habit that happen every day, whether you're motivated or not. Just like I have to get up and go run to get my 407th day badge I have to. It's automatic. I, I don't have to be motivated to do it. I'm going to go do it rain or shine, hell or high water.
0: Yeah, one of my um, favorite things that you say in the book, it's on page 77. When the drunk guy at the bar hitting on the meth addict becomes the voice of reason in your life, maybe it's time to re-exam your lifestyle.
1: Yeah, that was, <laughs> I, I, was, I was at the the dingiest bar in Nashville. It was, it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm trying to leave. And my buddy's yelling at the bar for me, T, T, let me drive you home. And he, uh, I, I, I make the same noise that every drunk in the history of the world has ever made. And I go, Pfft. I make that little noise, that little Pfft, noise, tell him I got this. And I stumble out to my car. He goes back, he's, he's sitting at the bar, at the smoky diby bar, three o'clock in the morning, where he's hitting on this meth addict. And, um, and they're having this little negotiation. He's trying to talk her into going to have sex without he, him actually having to smoke meth with her. She's trying to talk him into smoke meth with her without actually having to go sex with have, have sex with him. I don't know how their negotiation ended up because I went home and passed out. No, but you the cleaned next
0: the mo- pool, right? You're yeah, I did.
1: <laughs> I, w- I went home. Well, and, and I tell everybody I drove home, but I don't. I have no idea if I drove home. I mean, as far as I know, the aliens could have abducted me and, and, and brought me home because I have no recollection. They they apparently can't park because my car was crooked as is crazy in the driveway when I woke up the next morning, and they decided that my pool needed cleaning too, because uh, when I woke up on the couch next morning, I started, you know, doing the little game of hide and seek for my wallet and my keys and my cell phone and everything were still in my blue jeans pocket in a wet puddle in the basement floor where I'd come home at three o'clock in the morning and clean the pool, then drop, you know, drop trowel right there in the basement floor and stumbled to the couch and passed out. So that was my last drinking adventure.
0: Yeah, it's definitely time for a change. The other thing, one of my other favorite sayings is, you know, as you start to get your life uh, better and you start making the small changes in your life, one thing that I love and the overall voice of the book is, is really about, you know, just the small changes. But when it came to running, slower than a thundering herd of turtles in peanut butter swamp. So, um, <laughs> I just loved that because it, you know, even though you weren't like you said the, the, the runner with the, the perfect abs and the gleaming smile, you know, the point is you were doing it.
1: I was doing it. I, I run so slow buzzards follow me home just in case they get lucky. I mean, <laughs> but it's not how far, it's not how fast. The important thing is how often just get up and do it. And, 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 and I know everyone's, everyone's obsessed with the Fitbits and the and the the keeping all the data on all themselves, but that's you know and that's great. it Sometimes it motivates you to get things doing. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. What matters is just actually doing something. And if you do enough, you'll feel so good, you'll know it. You're, you so we, we don't need all the, all the bells and whistles and everything to motivate you. Don't need to go out and set a new record every time you run, but. As, as a country, we're in horrible shape. Two out of three people. We're, obs- we're obsessed with everything. We're, we're obsessed with the fitness industry. We're obsessed with movie stars. We're obsessed with, with having this perfect life and we've got all the Fitbits and devices and contraptions that we need to, to make that happen. And Still two out of three of us are overweight. None of us get enough exercise. We spend more money on healthcare than any nation in the history of the world because we don't move. All it takes is just getting up for about 20 minutes a day and going to move. I tell everyone that if uh, if everyone in the United States would exercise 20 minutes a day, we'd put the healthcare business out of business.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was shocked uh, to read that one out of every $5 is spent on healthcare. I did not know that. Now, I yes. did know that, you know, uh, health care is in the business of profit and wants to keep Americans sick because, you know, obviously then they wouldn't be in business. But I was really shocked. I didn't I didn't know that that, that that's are those are high numbers.
1: 17% of GDP goes to healthcare. One out of every $5. That's a full working day out of every working week, just to pay the doctor bills. And what they're doing is they're giving us pills that don't cure anything. They're giving us pills to help us manage our high blood pressure. They're giving us pills to help us manage our heart disease, giving us pills to help us manage manage our depression. When we've got something we can do for free that will flat out cure all of those things. 20 minutes a day of exercise will cure depression. 20 minutes a day will cure high blood pressure. 20 minutes a day of exercise will cure diabetes. You can you can do all these things yourself or you can take a pill and the pills are bankrupting us and they're killing us. Over the last half a dozen years, I've put five or six members of my family in the ground because they've overdosed on prescription pills from the doctor. And everyone thinks it's safe because these pills are coming from a doctor. Oh, you're in pain. Here's an oxycodone. But, you know, they're selling these pills at 20 bucks a pop. They're selling them to make money and they're killing us and they're bankrupting us, and all we need to do is take better care of ourselves, and we don't need any of that.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of, um, I should mention, there's a lot of really great documentaries for people who want to just get a little bit more educated just on Um, nutrition and health and like um, there's a great one on Dr. Gerson who you know um, just about uh, eliminates cancer just purely by good nutrition and eating right Um, you know you combine the the uh, over medication of Americans with bad nutrition uh, poor food choices and lack of exercise I mean it's just it's it's the perfect storm for setting us up for failure and bad health care
1: well what is selling what's up for is to keep being dependent on the healthcare industry to pay for medication they take all the nutrition out of our food and they sell it back to us in a pill yeah and uh,
0: so tell us a little bit about you know the 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 book really the the philosophy as of it is really about these small steps and doing little things um tell us about how one I mean you talk about how you started small steps I I loved the concept of every time you peed you did a (laughs) push-up that was fantastic but tell us a little bit about like the concept of, of what it is the overlying message of these small steps and then why it worked for you
1: well, it's it is the the, the concept. That there's really two over overarching concepts in the book. Number one is to quit striving for perfection and just trying to be better. So get get the big ideas out of your head and start thinking of the one little things. And there's the second chapter of the book is almost a lesson on grammar. It's about being grateful. And your life will never be better until you learn to be grateful for what you already have. You can't. You know, no one goes from living in a van down by the river to living on a mansion on the hill. Automatically overnight, but most of us don't live in a van by down by the river. We're in we're in you know four bedroom ranch houses that are probably you know twice the size of the house we, we grew up in. We've all got it pretty good, but we're comparing our lives to what we see on Facebook and what we see on TV, and that's just depressing us and and driving us away from actually improving our actual lives because we're comparing it to an imaginary there and then. We compare our actual lives to an imaginary there and then, and we do nothing to improve our lives. The second thing is once you concentrate on just starting to be better is the actual how and why of doing it. And that's where the the, the tiny steps come in. You mentioned the, the pee on a, um, the, the, pee, the do a push-up when you pee thing, and that came from a Stanford professor named B.J. Fogg, and he has this this program called Tiny Habits. Tiny Habits is is where you employ these small action steps and you do them in a manner using the science of habit formation that you build them you build automaticity into your day so that every time you pee, you go do a push-up. You don't have to think about it. It's just that's the auto, that's automatic, that's the rule. When you when, when you go to the bathroom, you step outside, you do a push-up. And at the end of the day, you've done five push-ups. And then a couple of weeks, you're doing five to ten push-ups because you would never done them before and all of a sudden you have a habit of building your upper body, you've built the strength, you've built your musculature, you've increased your metabolism and you didn't have to think about it, you didn't have to go to the gym, you didn't have to remember to put on your clothes you don't have any excuse not to do it because the goal is so small it's impossible to fail, you can't not do it and you, we set these overarching goals so high and then our brain keeps coming up with excuses because, because nobody wants to go run five miles, that sounds like work but if you just say okay, I'm going to go run around the block. Then you go, you know, your brain's not going to fight you on that, so you go run you go out, you go run around the block. And then tomorrow, you go out and you go run around the block. And soon you can run twice as far as you did before. And and soon like me, you're 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 running a 5K. I'd never run more than a mile in my life and I hadn't done that since I was a, in junior high school. Then then I run a mile around my neighborhood and then I run a full 5K around the neighborhood and I'm 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 running home. Dancing with the theme from Rocky, bouncing in my head, get my arms arms up in the air, da da da, <laughs> and you know, and it's just one step at a time. It's it's amazing what you can accomplish if you actually start taking the steps. You know, the, the journey of a thousand miles begin with a thousand steps, and all you can do is start putting one foot in front of the other and, and see where that leads you.
0: Which I think is a great message for the new year. I I always talk about for the last couple of years. I've done. Um, uh, new Year's resolutions, and I've always put them up on my blog, mainly to hold me accountable so that, you know, people, you know, can pull me out and say, hey, you didn't do this, and you know, uh, I don't, I don't want to fail, so, <laughs> but um, I think this is great for the new year because I think you're right. A lot of people do create these, you know, large lofty goals, and, you know, they, um wanna kinda of join the cattle and and the idea of I'm gonna do all these really great resolutions and I'm this year this year I'm going this to do it this is the I, year this <laughs>
1: is the year and and the problem with that is I've been talking a, a lot about New Year's resolutions this week and the problem is that is we, we start making these big New Year's resolutions and then we sit down and look at them and it's it's like the JC catalog it's that we create wish list oh I wanna be a hundred pounds thinner oh I wanna be richer Oh, I want to have a nicer smile. There's it, what most what most resolutions are aren't resolutions at all. They're objectives. They're a wish list of things that we would like to have or things that we would like to happen. And most of the time, they say very little about what we're going to do to get them. You know, I'm sure everyone wants to lose that last 20 pounds, but are you going to run every day to lose that last 20 pounds? Or are you going to eat your vegetables every day so that you have the proper nutrition? So what I encourage everybody to do is to not create a wish list, but to create a do list, a to do list of of things that you can actually do and, and things that you can do every day and then start building into those some repetition and some habit forming techniques so that those actions become automatic. And then at the end of the year, you're where you want it to be in the first place, where if you just concentrate on losing the 20 pounds, By the middle of January, you're going to be frustrated because uh, I hadn't lost my 20 pounds yet. I want to lose 20 pounds. I haven't lost my 20 pounds yet. We want everything now, and we set these big goals, and we don't have them now. Then we're just going to say, screw it and go back to watching TV.
0: And eat Cheetos.
1: And eat Cheetos. (laughs) That's right.
0: So tell the audience, uh, you started this journey a couple of years ago, but tell the audience kind of how you – uh laid this out how did you you know you you came up with the idea of holy shit i'm you know i'm going to be 50 and i need to make some big changes um one uh, what was the trigger that really you know because you talk about this in the book how one of the hardest things is just simply getting started um, how did you overcome the obstacles of just getting started, and then how did you lay it out in a way that was methodical enough to where it was easy and in, in, in small chunks, so that you actually accomplished it and did it?
1: Well, in, in, in between my my uh, Garth Brooks epiphany and my my drinking epiphany, I had uh, I, I, I'd got serious. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the exercising. I bought some boot camp videos, and I ended up that summer. I was doing these boot camp videos where uh, where I'm, I'm doing the um, Oh, I, I can't even forget. Forget with the burpees. I was doing burpees where you have to jump down on the ground and do a push up and kick your legs out and jump back up. And meanwhile, I'm 47 years old. I'm 300 pounds, and I'm trying to do a burpee. <laughs> I, I, are you high? I mean, so I um, I, and I ended up pulling my groin, and uh, you know, just you know, I can't do that. I you know, and and then so then when I decided to get serious, I've got to quit. you know, I've got a choice. If I can't do everything that society is telling me I need to do. I can't do burpees. I can't go run a marathon. My my other option is to sit on the couch and eat Cheetos and just accept that this is the way things are going to be. And neither one of those sounded like good options to me. So I just started, I started walking and I, I started walking every day. I'd go out and I walk around the block and I started walking every day and I'd keep, I'd keep track of it. And then eventually one day I decided, all right, I'm gonna try to run just a little bit. I'm gonna run to the end of the street. I live about a hundred yards from the end of the street. I did not make it to the end of the street. Well that was that was uh, that was frustrating. But the week later, I'm out walking again and I was walking every day at that point. I started I, I tried again and I, I went this time I made it all the way down to the end of the street and halfway down the next street. And it, it was surprising how quick I was able to go from not being able to run to the end of the street. To being able to to run a mile, um, and it's just, it was just a question of, of putting one one foot in front of the other. And one of the things I ended up I was I was researching this and writing about it, and I stumbled upon this technique which I've used every day since then, and it's called the the Seinfeld technique. So on the back of my book, it says Jerry Jerry Seinfeld can change your life, because everyone's everyone's familiar with Seinfeld from the TV show and from him being a stand up comic. But in productivity circles, there's the thing called the Seinfeld technique. And the story goes that uh, Jerry was such a prolific, prolific joke writer. All the other comedians wanted to know, how do you how do you always write so many great jokes? How do you how do you how do you always have new material? And Jerry would tell them, I write every day. And the young comedians said, well, you know, sometimes I don't feel like writing. I got my muse isn't there. I don't have any great ideas. And Jerry said, that doesn't matter. I write every day. And his strategy was every he would buy a big year-at-a-glance calendar and put it on a wall above his desk, and so he would have this year-at-a-glance calendar sitting on a wall above his desk. And every day that he would write, he would put a big red check mark on that day. He wrote that day, he gets the goodies, he gets the, he gets the reward, he gets to mark his to mark a check on that box. And if you do that two days in a row, you have a two-day streak. That after three days, you have a three-day streak. And once you get a little streak going. You get to where you, you'll you do almost anything not to break the streak. You want to keep that going. You want the reward and the mental satisfaction of reaching up there with your red Sharpie and crossing that X off every day. Well, that's what I started doing with, with all of the little things that I was working to to, to change. When I first started the blog, I called it Twenty One Tweaks, and I had twenty one little things that I was trying to work on, which was too many things. It can't do too much at once. But this is what I had. I had I had twenty one things I was going to work on: just exercise every day, eat more vegetables, take thirty minutes to write. And so I was putting check marks beside each one of those every day. And uh, that's, like I said, what I, I started running. Uh, I started uh, last year. I made a New Year's resolution to run every day, and I started in December of twenty fourteen. So I ran all the way through. Uh, I ran every day of 2015, and now I'm on 406. This whatever day it is, and that's just the Seinfeld technique. Every day, so whatever it is you want to do, just start doing it every day and keeping mental track of it. Give yourself a streak, and that uh, that that encourage you encourages you to build the repetition. We've all heard that it takes 21 days to build a habit. And I don't know if it takes 21 days, I don't know if it takes 31 days, I don't know if it takes 300 days, but I know if you do it every day, eventually it becomes part of your routine. So all the things I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do them every day.
0: Well, what I love about the checkmark method is, you know, we are goal-seeking, you know, uh, it, it's like our process and and just being human, we're, we're goal-seeking individuals and we, um, it, it's the Gratification of being able to check it off, so it's like small little wins. And you're it, right, it, like that it, streak. It, if you break it, you like you feel like a failure. Like, oh, I missed a day.
1: <laughs> it's, it is. It's, it's tiny wins, and and that that goal seeking, that satisfaction. That's a that's a neurological, biological process. When we hit that achievement, when we check that mark off, that's a reward. It releases little pockets of dopamine and serotonin in our head, and goes, boy, here, here's your cookie. You done good. So our brain, our brain rewards us for those things and that creates what's known as the habit loop. When you're the, the, the pri- Our primary addiction is to serotonin and dopamine. That's what we go through our whole life trying to get more serotonin and dopamine. That's what our brain wants. So it releases those little bits of serotonin and dopamine. And once it comes to understand that every time I check this red mark off, I'm going to get a little, a little boost of uh, serotonin and dopamine. That's going to make me happy it will start looking for opportunities to, to drive that process. And that's what makes it automatic. It's a habit loop. You do the action. You give yourself the reward. Then your brain looks for the trigger to start the action all over again so it can get the reward. And like it's like
0: Pavlov's it's, dogs. It's exactly.
1: <laughs> it's exactly like Pavlov's dog. Just make make, make it set up. So that you're always looking for that chance to to reward yourself for doing the small tiny action. And that's that's another benefit of doing it so small. If your goal is to run a marathon, then you might get that boost of dopamine eight months from now when you finally finish training and ran for a marathon. If your goal is to go out and run today, then you get that boost every day and you start looking for the triggers to make you get more boost every day. It's it's a it's a it's a cycle
0: kind of like a gratitude cycle too, because it you know, is. As, you, as you do it, you feel good about yourself. You're grateful for that. And so it's, it is, it's like a, it's a continuous loop. And then once you get on it, it makes you feel great. So it makes you want to do other improvements and improve other areas of your life.
1: Yeah. And, and, I, and I think gratitude is the key. Like I said, you can't, you, your life will never be better until you learn to appreciate how good it really is now. And and that's what had been one of the biggest change for, changes for me is I started looking around and, uh, I said, man, I've, I've actually got it pretty darn good. I don't know why I'm chasing all these other things. Why, why do I want, why, why, why am I trying to be something I'm not have things I don't when the things I've got are already great. And you start looking at these things almost as being a steward. I've been granted all these blessings. The life I have is a, tremendous. the ability to wake up above ground is a tremendous blessing. The ability to to be mindful of my aware of, of my surroundings in this moment in time, that is an amazing blessing. And I'm not going to jeopardize all that. You know, I don't need to ruin all that by, by, by doing other things. I't do need I, The body I have is fantastic. I feel great. To be alive, to be breathing is great. I don't need to jeopardize that and make it feel worse by going out drinking or by going out eating a Big Mac. Um, I need to take care of the blessings that I have, be grateful for them and be a steward for them.
0: Well, and throwing yourself into depression because you're not a Kardashian. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's the biggest problem, is like you said, we're constantly seeking. Um, you know, for the the fame, the fortune, the white teeth, the, the six-pack abs, we're always trying to strive for what's really not real, Right. Um, but it makes us feel less than or less than worthy or less valuable uh, than that person when literally we all, we, you know, our mothers used to tell us everybody puts their pants on one leg at a time, and we've yeah. all got our issues, but I, I agree, I think, and, and I think meditation is very important in this key because um, it helps you to really sit in your own space and really think about what you do have and, and the people who support you and the life that you lead and. Um how those other external things won't fill that void. It, it's the gratitude that you have for uh, the things that you have that's really going to lift you up, make you feel better, and then combine that with the small wins of the accomplishments. Um, Jesus, that that's a better life right there. Absolutely. And,
1: and meditation, the, the, there's a whole chapter on meditation. The amazing thing for med- meditation for me was, was I started realizing that all these thoughts in my head we were just bouncing around it, and that I was actually in control of them. That every thought that was in my head wasn't like a signed telegram from God coming straight into my head. That was just it was just random thoughts, and th- things were going off. I didn't need to tell the universe every time I got angry. When someone cut me off in traffic, I didn't need to yell and cuss at him. I could just take a deep breath, and I could make that thought completely disappear. That's an amazing thing. I've gone through fifty years of my life, and you know, being driven around. By By random thoughts popping in my head, and never realize that I actually have control over 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 these thoughts and every time I start comparing myself to something else instead of being depressed or agitated or anxious, I can just take a deep breath, realize what I have actually got make that thought make that thought understand that that's not the thought I want to think I can make it go away and and be completely happy here and now in this moment
0: well, not allowing others to really dictate how you feel. I think that our society, you know, not only talking about those external things that we're trying to achieve that, you know, we're striving for perfection, which we've already talked about doesn't exist, but, right. um, striving for this level, you know, it, it, really, if you ask anybody, what is it that you really want? Happiness. Well, You're right. you know, it's within yourself and it's like, we're, we're striving for those external things because we think that the consumerism or the Kardashian is what, quote-unquote happiness looks like when that's not really true and so we've got this very negative judgmental society that's you know ready to pounce on you every time you fall down which makes you further depressed and then you take a pill and it gives you on this on this horrible cycle but I just wrote a blog post about um Earlier when I was in college i was I think I was about twenty one twenty two and I had walked up to a a post box uh, to to put my mail into it and the mailman had just closed it up. It was like I, I asked him, "Can you you know go ahead and put this in your bag for today and he goes, "Nope, you'll have to put it in there. it'll be collected tomorrow
1: and right. he was so
0: cranky and so irritable, and I thought you know, I could really allow this to affect my state because at the time I was really big on Tony Robbins and, you know, mm-hmm. state of mind. And and I thought I could really allow this um, interaction between this mailman to affect my state, which the average American will do. They'll get pissed off and then it, you know, they create this domino effect to where they're pissy to everyone else after them. Or I can change the state of him, which will then, change my state back to where it was and so I, I gave him a hug yeah <laughs> and I gave him a hug and I smiled at him and I'm like I sure hope you have a great day and I will be happy to put this in for tomorrow's mail it's not a big deal and I remember his whole body language just completely melted like man I was being a real asshole yeah. And he said, I will be happy to take that. Thank you. I'm sorry. I just, I just was really having a bad day. And I was like, I know. That's why I gave you a hug. But little <laughs> things like that, those interactions, you know. Um,
1: and we, we all like to hear about, uh, well, Jim Rome has the quote that we're the average of the five people that we're around the most. And, we, and the first time I read that, I took that as kind of a um, a, a warning, you know, pick your friends well. And as I got deeper and deeper into this process and and kind of forming the mindset I was wanting to, I realized that maybe what that means isn't that you need to pick your friends well. Maybe it's that you need to be better because in addition to being a receiver, we're all a transmitter. If we're the average of the five people closest to us, then all the five people closest to us also are 20 percent us. And so we have we have a duty and a responsibility to improve our lives and be nicer and be better people so that we can make the people around us better people. Mm-hmm. You know, Gandhi said everyone wants to change, but no one no one wants to be the change. So, yeah. And, and M- Michael Jackson said, look at the man in the mirror. So it's all, you know, we have the we have the power to change the world but by walking around the block, because hopefully that'll encourage our family to start picking up and taking better care of themselves. And eventually, if this idea spreads, then then there's no telling what can happen. But you know, we all affect each and every one around us. And if we're all in this cycle where we're pissy and yelling and and, and crazy with each other, then it's just going to keep 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 us where we are. You know, ni- niceness goes a long way. Always be nice.
0: Well, and I think too the. The way you feel about yourself, like going back to the Jerry Seinfeld method of, of if you're getting those small wins and checking it off, man, you're gonna you're gonna feel great and you're gonna feel like you can kick butt that day and and you know put that out into the world. So when you go get your coffee or when you go to the grocery store, you're feeling great about what you've accomplished. So you're going to permeate into other people's lives that not only level of gratitude but that level of happiness. So everybody great. that you interact with for that day, you're gonna uplift them as well well so it's it's like this huge thing that takes place that is so small mm-hmm. but really creates big change yeah,
1: which just i love that one little step i mean it it start it starts it starts an avalanche
0: so what is the biggest thing that you've learned really from this whole journey i mean you started out with you know uh forty eight years old, kind of like the average American, and really turning things around to all the way now here we are into twenty sixteen being a best selling author. I mean, what's that journey been like for you?
1: It's 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 almost surreal. I mean, I, I start looking at where I was three years ago and how no not not where I was. I'm still in the same place. I'm still in the same house. But but how I was three or four years ago, and I start looking at that now, and it's 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 almost like sur- surreal. I don't quite know how everything happened. I just know I started doing it. I, 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 I went from a mindset of of hoping for things to a mindset of of doing things, of of taking care of the action. And it's just it's just mind blowing where that has led me, putting one foot in front of each other, in, in front of the other, end. And we live in an amazing time. I've got, I'm talking to you on a microphone from my bedroom and anyone in the world can hear this. All they got to do is go to iTunes and download it and take, take a listen. We have a device in our pocket that has the sum total of human knowledge at our fingertips. Any information that any human being has ever known, we can find out with our phone. And we live in amazing times. Amazing things can happen. And that's I think that's the biggest realization to me is that anything can happen. It's not going to happen unless you make it happen. But anything can happen. Just start doing something. Start take, putting one foot in front of the other, and, and and see where that takes you. I have a number one best selling book. I'm going to say that again real slow, just because I like to say it. I have <laughs> a number one best selling book. How the heck did that happen? It started. It happened because three years ago I started writing a blog. I've been writing big, loud, obnoxious car commercials. 85 words at a time for the last 25 years. The idea, I never could have imagined putting together a 50,000 word book. That seemed like an insurmountable obstacle. But I could write a 300 word blog post. So I started writing those. And then I strung enough of those together and it became a book. And I thought, well, that's pretty good. But that was the easy part. Now I've got to get get the message out there and and sell the book. So I started doing the work that would take to market the book and talking on podcasts and now, now I'm talking to you, and I've done other podcasts. I've been on radio stations. Uh, I've been interviewed, and these these are all amazing things that I never would have imagined happened. And that led led to having a number one bestseller, and that's that's just crazy. So my biggest realization is that I have no understanding of all of how the universe works. I, I but I know that if I take care of me and do the things I need to do, then then I I can be somewhere somewhere amazing.
0: Well and I think it's it's important to show too, um I think many of us have have been there I I talk a lot about on my own blog with you know uh, people who meet me now and I'm sure people will do this with you is they think like it's an overnight thing and you know the becoming organic and getting out of debt and getting fit and all of that like for me was a five-year process I mean this is nothing that happens overnight but it's the you know literally like you talk about just the one foot in front of the other and like you I remember my biggest insurmountable like thing that was over me is when i was going i decided to file for divorce and i had all of this debt and i didn't like the just the amount of fear and overwhelm that i had of how the hell am i even going to move forward when i've got so much other things looming over me and it's terrifying and i know that a lot of other people have these types of uh, fears in their life, whether it's getting fit, getting out of debt, you know, getting the love of their life, getting rid of the, what they thought was the love of their life, you know, and, and they really don't know how to get started. And, you know, just like with you it was like I remember I called up my girlfriend that day and I was like I have to do something but I am so consumed with fear and procrastination I don't even know where to start and so she literally was like okay let's talk this out so we came up with step one step two step three and she's like these are the three things that you're going to focus on for the next year and I did it and I was like oh my gosh and they were small things you know nothing big but they were small things and now here I am five years later and I look back and I'm like Holy cow, if you really do just put one foot in front of the other, it, you know, again, doesn't happen overnight. But now I'm looking back and I have such a heart of gratitude for just getting started because it got me to where I am today. Yeah. And so that's what I loved about the book as I was reading it I was like yes 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 this is exactly what I did this is you know this is easy to understand you tell people how to do it it's very relatable it's not that like we talked about earlier with the you know the guy with the shiny teeth and the perfect cheekbones it's it's a very relatable uh, easy to understand. How to book on? How to um, do a push-up when you pee, or walk around the block, or you know, make those small changes in your life so that you too, at the end of the year, can look back and go, "Holy crap! I have 365 days of red check marks." There
1: you go. You'll never get where you're going unless you start where you are. So, and and as a as an interior designer, you'll appreciate this. One thing I didn't appreciate was how much clutter affects you. Clutter, clutter you know, ruins your brain. And it's not just the clutter that's on our desk, it's the clutter in our lives that the clutter causes hesitation. It makes it look, this big pile of clutter makes it look like an insurmountable insurmountable obstacle. But if you just start removing one piece of the clutter every day, what, you know, getting rid of the clutter a little bit at a time, whether it's clutter in your room or clutter in your life, then, then it'll eventually clear a path where you can see it.
0: And breathe. (laughs) And breathe. And breathe. So one thing that I always love to talk to my guests about are some of their favorite books, either things that they've read in the past or things that they're currently reading. Um, What are some things that um, have changed your life or things that are just really blowing you away right now?
1: Well, uh, right now, my favorite book of, of, of the moment is a book called The Power of Habit by Charles de Hig. and it, it, it breaks out a lot of the information that I talk about, about the habit loop and the habit cycle and how to actually form habits. And, and it talks about them from a personal level, but also from a societal level and from a corporate level. It's about the role that habits play in business, the role that habits play in our economy. So it gives a huge understanding of, of the habit process. And we go through life doing so many things, and we think we're making this decision. But we're not a product. Our life is not a product of the decisions we make. Our life is a product of the habits that we create because we're on autopilot the vast majority of every day. We, we, we go through life by routine and by habit. If we had to stop and think and make every decision that we that needs to be made during the day, do I need to turn right here? Do I need to turn left here? Do I need to push the, this button up? To turn the left blinker on, do I need to push this button down to turn the right blinker on? We don't have time to think about all those things to make those decisions, so we do them all by habit and routine. And the book, The Power of Habit, goes into great detail about how that process works and how you can you can take advantage of the process once you know what's actually going on under the hood. So that's my right now favorite book. My um, my all time favorite book is um, is a book called Stumbling on Happiness by uh, by Daniel Gilbert. He's a uh, He's a Harvard psychologist, and his whole thing, the whole idea of this book, Stumbling on Happiness, it, it sounds like your generic self-help book, and it's not. It's a neurological treatise on brain function that tells you exactly how the, the brain functions, and the main difference between us and all other mammals is the size of our brain. We have this huge brain, which is you know significantly larger than any other animal our size because we have the prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex exists as a simulation machine. We're the only animal in the world that can simulate the future, imagine a future, and recreate the past mem- to, to remember the past. But neither one of those things are actually accurate, and both of them end, us, end up driving us out of the moment that we have right now. So we create this imaginary scenario in the future, and we, we try to derive all our happiness from getting to that moment where we are or we recreate this imaginary glorious past and we ruin our present moment by comparing our present to this glorious past or this glorious imaginary future and we're constantly letting an imaginary there and then screw up a personally a perfectly good here and now so the um, stumbling on happiness really changed my life because it made me realize that happiness is completely and entirely an internal function and it doesn't depend on these outward, these outward stimuli that we think it does, because we're trying to get to either the past or the future.
0: Yeah, I I agree. It is a great book. It's been a while since I read it, but
1: yeah, and I, I keep I've been telling people about it. I need to go back and read it again. It's probably been three years since I read it, but I need to read it again.
0: Yeah, I, I think that I wrote. I think I read it three or four years ago, but yeah, it it's it's an interesting read, and um, it really made me think of. Uh, the high school football player that the every year that he gets older, the greater the game was. Exactly. <laughs> so. Nobody lets
1: the truth get in the way of a good story.
0: Oh yeah. So what are some of your goals for 2016? What are some of your uh, check marks that you want to get uh, on the calendar?
1: Well, my, my check mark is I want to continue my streak of running. I want to run every day. Uh, my, my, my goal, my daily goals are, for this year is I, I want to run every day. I want to meditate every day. And I want to write every day. If I can do those three things, I'm hoping everything else will take care of it, itself. I, uh, I've got my big my big objective last year was to, to get the book out. We 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 got that out. So now uh, I've kind of I've kind of uh, you know drank my own Kool Aid. I'm a true believer in this concept that I honestly think the world will be a better place if people start letting go of perfection and learning to improve their lives one minor step at a time. And I, I almost feel called to get this message in front of uh, as many people as I can. So I'm going to do any podcast that someone will let me come on and talk about. I'm going to go speak in front of every uh, Rotary Club that uh, will let me come and talk about the, this little project because, because I want to spread the word. I, th- I, th- I think it's an important message, and I think that other people aren't saying it. You don't see this on the 6 o'clock news because it's not bright and shiny and new.
0: Well, I don't know that it's necessarily not new. It's just it's not sexy and glamorous like, you know, um, the depression and the, you know, for some reason, the media has really made the fear and the uh, all other uh, deplorable type really uh, things in our lives more positive and shiny, which is kind of funny.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think that might have something to do with the billions of money that the pharmaceutical industry is spending on advertising. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just a coincidence. But, yeah, uh,
0: very good point. I will say that some of the uh, documentaries on Netflix have said that they have been unable to get, like, the Gerson information. They've been able, unable to get it out because big corporations like ABC and CBS are funded by uh, prescriptions. And so they, yeah. they can't say any of those things because it goes against their advertising dollars. That's right. Very interesting. Well, one other thing I will uh, recommend for those who are listening, another great book is by Hal Elrod. Uh, The Morning Routine um, is an excellent um, uh, way to, we tend to uh, allow other people to dictate our lives and we give our time to other people, but we don't spend enough time on ourselves. And so if you're Um, not a big person on meditation or if it scares the crap out of you, I would recommend going to the blog because I have a lot of great information on meditation and so does Terry in his book. But um, Hal Elrod has a terrific story and he really lays out how you should lay out your morning so that you're basically um, paying yourself first Mm -hmm. um, and laying out a routine that works for you so that you're focusing on your goals and it really helps you to get started and Um, Start focusing on what your goals are and actually accomplishing them. So that would be one of my recommendations. Of course, uh, next to uh, Terry's book, Better Self-Help for the Rest of Us, Um, So, Terry, we're wrapping up here. Um, I knew that this was going to go by quickly. If people are interested in finding out more information about you or the book, where can they go? Where can they find you?
1: Uh, You can find me on Google. Google loves me. Just Google Terry Lancaster. You can can go straight to TerryLancaster.com, and it's got all my contact information on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, my email. So I'd love everyone to connect with me and uh, and find out more and, and to help spread the message. But terrylancaster.com, Google, and you can buy the book right now on Amazon.
0: And be sure to reach out to Terry or myself and tell us about your stories of encouragement, uh, enlightenment, or whatever it is that you accomplish. We'd love to hear from you. Terry, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm happy that you were able to take the time to sit down and chat with me.
1: Thanks for having me, and I appreciate everyone listening to my story.
0: Awesome, thanks so much! Exercise, meditation, nutrition, and most importantly, gratitude. That's all it takes to have a better life. So get your calendar out, buy a shiny new red pen, and determine three goals for the year that you want to check off. Start small, dream big, and know that each push-up, walk to the mailbox, or even your morning routine spent meditating will help lead you to a better life too. I want to thank you for listening today. For questions or comments about the show, email me at info at Find more information about Terry at terrylancaster.com or head over to the blog gatesinteriordesign.com forward slash blog for all the details to this episode. If you like this show, be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a review or subscribe. And don't forget to find me on Twitter at TheAmandaGates. Bye for now.